Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. This week, we have a sneak peek into a future episode of The Audit Room, and by sneak peek, I mean it's like the entire episode. I don't even know why we call it a sneak peek. It's the entire episode. Um, for those that don't know, The Audit Room is a live podcast that I do with Tracy Marquart every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, so you can block off your calendar from 11 to 11.30. If you connect with us on LinkedIn, you will see where we post constantly um you can scroll through my uh post if you want to and, and grab the zoom link you can grab that put it into um the calendar invite that you made for yourself in your calendar where you can then join us and ask folks like tim leach who was our guest um your questions live um we don't allow video uh, if you're hesitant to be on video because we got zoom bombed on like the first time we did this. So we don't allow that and we put everybody on mute. So put your questions in the chat. There's usually some pretty good conversation in the chat. Um, so be sure to join us again every Tuesday at 11 AM. All right. So this was with Tim Leach. For those that don't know, he's the currently the managing director of risk oversight solutions. And for his intro, I pulled this straight from his LinkedIn about section because it just, there's so much cool stuff within this like one paragraph that's so impressive. Um, so I'll, I'll summarize it a bit. So from 91 to 2004, Tim was the founder and CEO of a company called Card Decisions. From there, he launched Card Map, which was the world's first integrated risk and assurance software. That's crazy to think that, that Tim was the first one to be part of that. He then later took it to the cloud and offered it as a software as a service solution in 2000. Side note, this would not be in his about section because that would be weird. In 2009, when I was an IT auditor in public accounting, the IT audit partner on one of my engagements, again, 2009, so nine years after Tim had already put this as a or offer this as a, a, a SaaS solution the partner was sitting around the audit room and said hey i gotta go talk to some i don't know bigwig um about the cloud do y'all know what the cloud is and so this is a partner at a big four accounting firm it audit partner who didn't know what the cloud was which was reasonable completely reasonable at the time tim knew about it saw the the benefits and, and kind of the future nine years earlier and so that just that blew me away okay back to uh tim's background uh he later sold 
Tim later sold car decisions to Paisley slash Thomson Reuters. And in 2004, he served as the chief methodology officer there for three years. Since that time, he has focused on building his second generation of disruptive innovation to help organizations transition from traditional strategy risk and assurance methods to strong, driven, what Tim calls objective-centric risk and certainty management. And that's a large part of what the conversation is about, is this objective-centric risk and certainly manage, certainty management. And if you listen and then you go especially read more from Tim, it makes a ton of sense. And so I highly recommend, we always recommend connect with our, our guests on LinkedIn, but especially if you're in front of your laptop right now listening, go connect with Tim, go see uh, the posts that he's made. They're pretty lengthy. Um, so pick one or two that kind of piques your interest and read through those and you'll get a feel for Tim. Um, I will say Tim is also very outspoken on the direction of the IA. So definitely connect with him on LinkedIn to get perhaps a different perspective on the audit profession. Here we go. Hello, everyone. This is Trent Russell, and this is The Audit Room. You can join us live to ask your questions of uh, myself, Tracy, or probably more importantly, our featured guests for the week. Uh, every Tuesday at 11 Central Standard Time, you can connect with Tracy and or myself to get that link each week. I, again, I'm your co-host and moderator, Trent Russell. I'm the founder of Green Skies Analytics, where we help launch data analytics programs for internal auditors. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt. Thanks, Trent. My name is Tracy Marquardt, known as Europe's leading audit communication consultants, coming to you this summer from Canada. And I am all about audit communication, improving and enhancing your leadership and productivity within your team. So do reach out. And I'm really excited today to announce Tim Leach as our special guest. Tim is founder and managing director at Risk Oversight Solutions. His focus is promoting the business case for and helping organizations implement strong management-driven strategy and objective-centric risk and certainty management. He's received multiple awards. He's written multiple articles. He's on LinkedIn every day, I'm sure, um, because of the amount of posts that you've written and the reach that you have on LinkedIn. And um, was also named in 2019 uh, and the top 10 internal audit and risk thought leaders globally by Richard Chambers. So Tim, really welcome. We're so happy to have you today and welcome to the audit room. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, a lot of what I'm doing, uh, I, I suppose you can think of this as my second phase of my career. Uh, it requires people like you and, and all of the wonderful people that follow my posts to build momentum for change. And that's really what I've been doing uh, the majority of my career. So back in 85, we proposed the idea of control self-assessment at golf and myself and Bruce McQuaig, and uh, that took on a life of its own. We started, to, I published a paper called Dawn of a New Era in 1990 that really changed the face of my life and my family's life. And um, I went into public practice in 87 at Coopers and Librand, set up a, a new unit. They'd never had it before called Control and Risk Management Services. Uh, for those youngsters out there on the line, Coopers and Librand is the C in PwC. Uh, it's been I long now, gone now for quite a long time. I still have a lot of good friends. Uh, the people I golf with in Florida in the winter are a mix of 
people from the PW and people from the seaside. Uh, uh, so uh, that took off and uh, I set up my own company in 91 and uh, we were very, very fortunate. We landed very large clients. We picked up Mobile Worldwide and RBC Bank here in Canada, Manulife, TD Bank, uh, Federal Government of Canada, Ontario Government, uh, I did a worldwide deal with KPMG in the mid nineties. Uh, they bought my methodology in 22 countries. So I went and trained the partners uh, around the world uh, on the, what I call my first generation of thinking, which is what was called strong first line control risk self-assessment. That was the vision. It was objective centric, strong first line. Um, that went really well. And if you can imagine a big company like mobile, everybody in management starting to self-assess on important objectives, the data started to overwhelm me. So we built some software. Uh, I, I guess I, I was a lot more of a risk taker back then. We hired a firm and we built uh, what we called it card map. Card stood for collaborative assurance and risk design. And we sold that all over the world. And mm -hmm. it was something I never imagined I would do. KPMG, of course, bought it. They were our distributors for the methodology and uh, very exciting times. Literally all over the world, uh, there was one month in the mid-90s, I went around the world east to west and then the other way, all in one month. Uh, it was just an amazing, you know, there were so many, we'll call them brave and adventurous spirits in the audit and risk world that, that got into the idea of management self-assessment and well, I truly appreciate them all, and they're all over the world. Uh, so that moved on. And uh, when uh, SOX came along in 2002, 2003, it just wiped all of the wind out of the sails of enterprise risk management and control and risk self-assessment. Mm -hmm. And um, at the same time, um, my original, my card map software had been built on Lotus Notes technology, and it was clear by then that it needed to be ported. It was going to be about a million bucks to port it to a J2EE platform. And uh, I took the decision to put the company up for sale. I had interest from SAS in the States and Paisley Consulting, who were the inventors of Auto Audit. Uh, had just raised 10 million bucks and they came after me. And long story short, uh, I sold the company to them and was their chief methodology officer for three years. What you're seeing now in my posts and any of the people on the line, if, if you want connect with me on, on LinkedIn, uh, I have a discussion group called Objective Centric Risk and Certainty Management. You can go and read hundreds of posts if you wanna learn more about my second generation of thinking. And quite frankly, the biggest single change in my second generation is moving to what I call demand-driven risk management and audit, where customers actually define what they want from the two groups. Uh, I believe both functions have been largely supply-driven around the world, sort of pushing stuff at disinterested customers and not really uh, getting any clarity what it is they want. So... Second generation is very exciting. Today's post is a good one to look up because it has a link to all of my posts in 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of them are blockbusters in terms of reactions to, to the post. So that's a quick overview.
Brilliant. Brilliant. And so I'd, I'd, I'd like to start there with this, the second generation that you're talking about, and this is the audit room. Um, and so with the um, perspective of, of internal audit, what's their role, or, or maybe just start with what is the second generation you're talking about? And then what, what do you see internal audit's role relative to that? And what can we actually do to support that? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. So as I said, my first generation of thinking was very much focused on building the notion of starting with objectives, all of the work done by management, done by audit, done by risk, done by safety. Um, so it was objective centric with the notion that ideally the management responsible for the objective would actually take an interest in doing some structured risk and certainty assessment on the likelihood they'd achieve the objective. So that was the first generation and it took me a long way and I had a lot of great learnings along the way and a lot of very loyal customers that, that the case study on our website, SVG Capital, the CEO of that company used my methodology at mobile. She used it at EDNF Man. She used it at British Airport Authority. She used it at Boots PLC. She just was a big fan and uh, much appreciated. Her name was Lynn Fort, was, is Lynn Fordham. Um, so that was exciting. Now, your question, though, is the third generation, which is my most recent thinking, it builds on the first, but it adds the notion of demand-driven. So on our website, on the resources page in the free downloads, you'll see a five-step diagram you can download. So what it calls for is for a company to create a committee, and we suggest it be called a strategy and value oversight committee of senior executives. They decide which are, which are the objectives that are important enough to the future of the company to warrant formal risk assessment and assurance, including internal audit. So rather than internal audit locking up in a room and deciding what the audit plan will be, this is a senior level committee that decides what they want assurance on and what they want information on the current risk certainty status. So they work away. And of course, the chief audit executive is part of that committee. If there's a chief risk officer, they're on the committee. Uh, we like if the CEO is interested for them, he or she to be on it, but sometimes they're too busy. Um, it sends a strong message if they're willing to participate. It shows they want information on risk certainty status on the top strategic. So the, the quite frankly, in most companies, the internal audit department hasn't had been able to play much of a role on top strategy value creation objectives. Most of their life has been focused on value preservation which is reliable statements, compliance with the law, business continuity, data security, all of those. It's, they're not unimportant, but they're not the ones that make companies great. And they haven't been allowed in many companies to play much of a role. Now, when you do objective-centric, it soon shows the executives that structured risk assessment can help them increase the likelihood they'll achieve their top strategic value creation. So that's a big change all by itself. But the second generation, so the senior executive, the strategy value oversight creates this list and it's step one in the five-step diagram on our website. 
Step two is who's going to be the owner sponsor for each of those objectives. What level of target risk certainty assessment do they want? And do they want any independent assurance on the data set they're going to get on that objective? And if so, from who? That step changes both risk management and internal audit from supply-driven professions, giving people what they think they should want to demand-driven professions where those they have customers, including the board and the, the strategy value oversight takes their initial decisions, runs them by the board committee responsible for risk and or internal audit, gets agreement on it, we now have the two primary customers of risk management and internal audit have defined with some clarity what it is they want information on and assurance that that information is right. Not assurance that things are fine, assurance that the status information is reliable. They can then make their decisions about what they want to do about that status data. Perfect. And I don't this think is on there's enough companies doing that, to be honest. There aren't enough internal audit departments taking that perspective. Well, unfortunately, the whole profession and the IIA has encouraged supply-driven mindset. Uh, the IIA needs to try and get behind the notion of demand-driven audit. Uh, I, if For those interested, uh, go do a Google search on Tim Leach, Clarity on Board, Ethical Boardroom. It's an article that was published late last year. Um, it starts with getting clarity on the purpose of a board. Ironically, the vast majority of the boards in the world have never stated their purpose. Mm. They list long charters full of stuff they're going to do, but they don't say what can we expect will be different a year from now as a result of paying for the board? So that article starts first. If you can get clarity on the purpose of a board, that allows clarity on what's the purpose of internal audit and risk management who largely exist to serve the CEO and the board. So if there's no clarity on why the board's there, there's no clarity on why audit and risk are there. So that that's a key piece of what I that of demand driven. If you want demand driven internal audit and risk management, the board has to care enough to actually define what they want from those two functions. Ironically, the vast majority of boards in the world have not. I call it they want the usual. And you say, well, what's the usual? Well, you know, all that stuff the other people do. You know, auditors will do audits and we'll get the audits and we'll look them over and we'll ask some questions and the risk function will create that risk register and they'll deliver the heat maps and we'll ask a few questions about that and we'll call it a day. <laughs> well, if that's really all they think they're there for, we have a big problem in risk governance. My worry is that is an accurate description of the majority of the world. And I know you mentioned heat maps. And so the, the, the title today's show was Tim Leach loves heat maps and risk registers. A bit tongue in cheek there, because I know you absolutely do not. Um, but they are still being used. Okay, so let's let's be clear on that. I actually like and use risk heat maps all the time, but only with respect to a specific objective. When you take a bunch of risks. You go around the company and you say, what do you see as the big risk? So go imagine if you're sitting, you have a family of 
two parents and three children and you you ask everybody what do you see as the big risks in the house and the family mm -hmm. what do you see as the big risk to the family you're going to get a weird list of risks right well unfortunately a lot of these risk lists that people are creating are cherry picking a bunch of random stuff with low low rigor they don't ask them a lot of times the question isn't a lot more specific what do you see as the big risks sometimes it's what do you see as the big risk to the company sometimes it's not even as specific as that so and you've got people like the IIA and the risk institutes publishing reports that is a survey of the top risks and i say to them would this be the same set of risks if you said, what are the top things that threaten the achievement of our most important strategic objectives? Would that list look the same? The answer is no, it wouldn't look the same if you changed the question to, what do you see as the biggest things that could create uncertainty? We won't achieve the most important objectives to long-term success. Unfortunately, most of the risk people and internal audit are not asking that question and they're not exploring it in terms of their work. But it all goes back to the lack. You have supply driven professions who are pushing out what their institutes and what they think they should do. You have apathetic customers that haven't been willing to define with any clarity what they want. We have a problem in risk governance that's big and it's around the whole world. So can I ask, like, how much of this, you know, kind of falls on chief audit executives and how they run their departments within their companies? Well, I think it falls heavily on them. They, they've been unwilling to actually, you know, I was hired a long time ago to do a, an effectiveness assessment at Georgia Pacific in Atlanta. The CFO wanted one done and th this chief audit executive was a nice guy. I liked him a lot. So I, when I started the engagement, I said, well, look, before I do anything, you know, I, I, I'm going to charge you. I need to know what it is you want, and then I can tell you how much I'll charge you to do it. But before I start, I need you to tell me what do you specifically, you've got a department that's costing three million bucks. What is it you want as a result of the existence of that three million dollar function? Well, I got back, well, the usual, some audit reports, I guess. <laughs> and I said, well, no, you're going to have to help me a lot more than that. I could take your whole audit department out, charge you 300000 and create some audit reports. If that's what you want to do, we could cut your budget by a huge <laughs> amount. And, you know, the reality is, 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 you know, and I've often done that. I ran the outsource practice at Cooper's. They got a five million dollar audit department they bring me in they say well you know what can you do for us you say you can outsource and and i said well i can do it for half they said what you can do it for half i mean you don't even know what they've been doing i said i don't need to know <laughs> what they've been doing i already know you don't know what it is so until you tell me what it is i can't give you an accurate estimate of what it'll cost and as long as you have no idea what it is with any clarity, you can do it for 50 grand, you can do it for 500 grand, you can do it for 5 million. I had clients that had audit departments of $50 million a year. They still didn't know what it was either. 
So until you get some clarity what it is, which is what we're trying to do by moving it to demand-driven internal audit, it's largely the, the harsh reality, and people don't like to admit it, the vast majority of internal audit departments and risk functions in the world exist so the company can tell regulators and the board they have one. That's it. That's not a good reason for existence. I've got two, uh, one relatively quick question, because uh, I know you've thrown some resources out there for demand-driven internal audit approaches. What's the, where's a resource we can go to read more about that? Oh, just go to our resources page on www.riskoversightsolutions.com. There's there's scores of pages. Uh, there's hundreds of pages of articles and posts and presentations and PowerPoints. And if you go to the training page, I've partnered with C-Risk Academy. There's an 11 module certificate in objective uh, driven objective risk and certainty management. It starts the first two modules, explain what strong first line demand driven is all about. Uh, on the resources page, there's specs for GRC software. Those specs for the software actually start with a fairly short description of the three legs on the stool, demand driven, objective centric, and strong first line. And those are the three legs that I believe are critical to overhauling the whole of risk governance in the world. Okay. Unfortunately, most of the world right now is weak, weak first line, everything but objective centric and not demand driven and supply driven. So the world is the opposite of what I believe is necessary for real value to get driven out of these two functions. So there's a link now in the chat to those resources. We'll also put it in the show notes for those listening to the podcast. There is so much, Tim, when I was going through doing research, uh, reading articles, looking at the resources that you've provided, there's so much out there. I wanted to ask you again, from the internal audit perspective, after this discussion, for those that are listening live right now or listening through the replay of the podcast, what would be the one thing that we should, could do um, based on everything that you've, you've written and all the thought leadership that you've given? Like if you, if we boil, boiled it down and said like, yeah, all the 99%, like that's great. We do need to do that. If you just do this one thing though, that's where we're going to see some value, some value change. What would that one thing be? Well, the, the one thing is that they have to buy the vision and to buy the vision, they have to understand it. To understand it, I recommend they join my LinkedIn discussion group where all of my posts are. It's an easy place. Or to download on the resources page, you now have 100 posts on LinkedIn with links to them from 2021. We now have, as, as of today, 65, a summary of my 65 posts on LinkedIn is on the resources page with links to each of them and it shows you how many views each of them got. So the, the ones that got like thousands of views or in the case of uh, the one that shows the guy being dragged to the bottom of the ocean on a millstone with a shark beside it, that one got over 100,000 views in the world um, and the comments and the likes. So 
get educated about the vision of strong first line objective centric demand driven and why it's the better way forward the auditor has to buy it first if they don't buy it they can't sell it yeah and i don't mean they have to just sort of casually buy it they have to actually passionate believe it's a better way forward if all they're doing out there is putting in pensionable years and taking in their chief audit executive salary of 150, uh, 400, 500,000 and cruising towards retirement, maybe they don't want to take the risk of going to their executive and saying, we're going to, what we've been doing hasn't really been delivering yeah. what we need to deliver. And we're going to, we're going to personally change massively. And we're going to ask all of you, including the board to change massively. Well, that's going to take some real passion to sell that and to believe in it and want to do it. Uh, fortunately for me, I've had scores of audit executives and chief risk officers that have liked the vision and wanted to go down the route. And that's fueled my career and my income and my family security and my house in Florida and the cottage up North. And, you know, that that's wonderful. I appreciate those are the adventurers Unfortunately, most people don't go into internal audit because they're at heart an entrepreneur or a risk taker. Mm -hmm. So they have to suck up their courage and do what's right for their company. And that means being a change agent, which most audit departments and risk functions have not been. And it, you know, I've spent, I think I have a lot of great tools to help them. Um, I often get people that have been put in the position and they come from somewhere else and they look at it and they say, Tim, your stuff makes sense. Let's do it. Well, they don't have 25 years of doing it the other way. Yeah. So you think about how long it's taken to convince the world to quit smoking. Mm. Well, that's about where we're at in terms of trying to convince internal auditors that think, they ought to go out there and tell those managers what their ineffective controls are and how to fix them as their yeah. main job in life. So it's not going to be easy. I don't pretend that it is. There's a culture inventory tool on our, on our site that'll tell you if you score under 25, you're in for a hell of a bad ride if you're going to try and move to modern demand-driven, objective-centric. Uh, first stop. Your customers will refuse to take the time to tell you what they really want. I'm not joking. Literally, they will refuse to tell you what it is they really want from an audit or a risk management. The truth is, it's embarrassing. We want to be able to say we have one. We want to tell the board we have one. The board wants to say they get internal audit reports. The board wants to say we review a list of risks. Hence, we must be overseeing risk. Because we get a list of risks each year that we look over and we ask some questions. Hence, we must be, but no, you're not overseeing risk management. And, and it's, it's hard to disabuse people of ideas when most of the world is doing it this way. I remember when I was a little boy, my mother took me to the doctor. He's sitting there chain smoking behind the desk. <laughs> I well, remember those days too. We got a whole lot of chief audit executives out there chain smoking right now, and they're not prepared to really start the 
things that it'll take to change. What a great analogy. I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I like to keep that optimism. I think a lot of the clients that I work with do want that. I think some are slower to innovate than others. And I think it's a whole other conversation we can have about audit and innovation and all the young auditors coming on board, but we just don't have time for that today. Trent, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. So yeah, I think Tim, we're going to have to, uh, to have you back, but uh, I will say briefly in closing, we're fortunate to have someone like yourself. I think passion is what you hit on uh, and, and chief audit executives needing that passion in order to uh, kind of execute this initiative. And you certainly have that um, easily demonstrated by the amount of content that you put out there around this. So thank you very much uh, for that and for being on. Uh, I'll quickly add a note from friend of the show, Bud Schrock. Uh, he said, change agents, exactly right. The audit explainer uh, concurs. So for those that want uh, additional internal audit resources, Google the audit explainer. You'll get some more there from uh, from our friend Bud. And then I know for me personally, I like structure and how I uh, learn, whether that's in the form of uh, a book as opposed to various uh, articles or some kind of online training. And so I wanted to highlight that again from the, the training that you offered through the C-Risk Academy. If you go to the training section on uh, riskoversightsolutions.com, you'll see that and you can get access to it. Um, I think that is it for me. There are plenty of resources in the chat. Again, if you are listening to the recording, we'll put those in the show notes. Um, with that, Tracy, I'll throw it to you if you have any closing remarks. And then Tim, you can, you can close us out. I, I don't have any closing remarks. I just have to say thanks to everyone for joining us today. I know we started a half hour early, so I appreciate that everyone made sure that they could uh, add us into their calendar. Um, Tim, I have one final question. We don't have a lot of time, but if you have a short thought on um, what you would like your legacy to be. Well, one day uh, you my, do my first company was called Card Decisions and we had big placards uh, in the early days that said, changing the way the world thinks about control. So that was my mission back then. Um, it's, it's evolved now. I think what I'm trying to do is, is change the way the world thinks about how you can get structured assurance that you understand the current state of risk, not that things are fine, but that you understand, you being the senior executives in the board. So I'd like my legacy to be, Tim, change the way the world thinks about how risk governance should be done. And people like uh, Alexei Sidorenko, who I saw was, was there, mm. Uh, I mean, he's trying to change the way the world thinks. Norman Marx is trying to change the way the world thinks. We don't agree on everything, but we do agree on a lot of things. And uh, fundamentally, it's about how we as people even think and approach how we get certainty. I, young people starting out in their career, I said to a young guy, how much work have you put into figuring out what it is you think you'd like to do? Well, not a lot. I said, well, this is going to be the rest of your life. Wouldn't it make sense to go talk to some people and understand what different career paths look like and just not wing it and go to university and have a few good years of drinking and having fun or, and then say, well, where am I now? So I don't know yeah, anybody trying, that would do that, but <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to convince executives and boards. I'm, I'm really working hard 
to convince boards they should have a purpose. <laughs> and that may sound uh, strange, but if boards can get the notion they need to have clarity of purpose, it then creates clarity of purpose for groups like audit and risk, which then gives them greater purpose and will give them a much, much more fulfilling career. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.